You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. The figurative message of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years was that they never would grow. They kept craving what was back in Egypt. They kept making decisions just based on personal appeal and physical satisfaction, and they never, ever matured. And you find some people in the church like that. They're always dealing with the alcohol and the drugs and the lust and all the stuff of the past life. Get over it! If you're stuck in the past, Pastor Danny will challenge you today to break free of your past hang-ups. You can't do anything to change the past. It's already come and gone. But you can make positive decisions as you move forward. In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach about the struggle of the flesh. There's always going to be the worldly things to distract you from what's important. This life is so short compared to eternity. Are you making decisions that will help you grow closer to the Lord? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 21 as he continues his message, The Flesh. flesh, the sinful nature, the spirit. I tried to define for the sake of the message, the flesh and the sinful nature. And here's the best that I could do. The sinful nature, the flesh and what it does, it makes decisions based solely on personal appeal and physical satisfaction, i.e. lot. When he looked out and he saw the grass is greener there and just made a carnal, sinful nature motivated decision and went the wrong direction in life towards Sodom. The flesh, the sinful nature, yields obedience to natural tendencies rather than the inspiration of the Spirit of God and the direction of the Word of God. Peter, very sincerely, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You're thinking naturally, not spiritually. And get this. Whatever is born of the flesh cannot live in peace with that which is born of the Spirit. Romans 7 and 8 talks all about it. I especially highlighted this morning in my personal notes, going back through it again, Romans chapter 8, verse 7 And here's what it says. The sinful mind, sinful nature, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Galatians makes it just as clear. Galatians chapter 5. Oh, my goodness. Usually when I'm doing what God wants, I'm saying no to what I want. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say live by the Spirit. 
and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Do you know that God prophesied about Ishmael back in Genesis chapter 16? Let me tell you what he said. Genesis 16, verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers by choice. He didn't go God's way. And his life and his decisions in life are figurative lessons. He represents the flesh. He represents the sinful nature. Then when you get to chapter 25 of Genesis, it gives us his descendants and fascinating what it says. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 18. His descendants settled in the area from Havilah to Shur near the border of Egypt. Egypt is the world as you go toward Ashur. And they live in hostility toward all their brothers. There it is again. Good versus evil. Saved versus unsaved. Christian, non-Christian. What is born of the flesh cannot live in peace with that which is born of the Spirit. That's why the Scriptures are very clear. Now I'm going to give you this next verse in the old King James Version just because of the way it says it. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That's what God's trying to teach us in Abraham making a very difficult decision that was distressing to him because Ishmael had grown up in the family. He had fed him. He had cared for him, just like we do ourselves. But if you're going to have victory, you got to make a decision and get rid of the provision of the flesh. And that's the getting rid of Hagar and Ishmael. Colossians says it just as clear. Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, unless you crucify the flesh, it'll always win. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus is using figurative language. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. Make no provision for the flesh. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Do you understand that? This section here, do you understand it? Back in the cheap seats. Do you un- Chris, those around, do you understand it? You got it. I'm trying to let you out early. This section here, do you understand that? You're over here, have you got it? Okay, we got it. Back to Genesis. Make no provision for the flesh. Flesh, get out of here. All right? Now, Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, after dealing with the flesh, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Put yourself in Abraham's sandals. The child you've waited for, 
The child that's the miracle child, he's here. Through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And now God telling you, go and sacrifice him? Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. On the third day. I underline on the third day. Why? Because that's the day of resurrection. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And notice, and it's very clear in the Hebrew, scholars tell me, we will worship and then we will come back to you. It's about 50 miles to Mount Moriah from where he was. He's walking, takes him about three days. He gets there. He can see it in the distance. What was he thinking about those three days? I have no doubt. God, I don't understand. Lord, help me to understand. He is praying. He is, he is meditating. He is trying to figure out why in the world God would want him to sacrifice his one and only miracle child through whom the promise would be fulfilled to bless all the nations of the earth. He's trying to understand it. In Hebrews chapter 11, Tells us, beginning in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. On that three-day journey, he came to the conclusion that God must have resurrection in mind and figuratively speaking here's another lesson from the real life story he did receive Isaac back from death Genesis 22 verse 6 Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham father Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, if you're Isaac, that's an excellent question. (laughs) I mean, you want to know the answer to that. (laughs) I know everything else is here. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac. To me, the most fascinating thing is not that he bound his son, Isaac. The most fascinating thing is Isaac allowed himself to be bound by his dad. Because Abraham's an old man here. And if I'm a betting man, Isaac could flip the dude down and he's out of there. (laughs) But Isaac is a willing sacrifice. He bound his son, Isaac. He laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand. And he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord. Christ shows up again. And he called to him from heaven. Abraham. Abraham. Here I am. He replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy. No problem. (laughs) Don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God. Because you've not withheld from me. Your son. Your only son. 
Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Mount Moriah is Mount Calvary. Same area. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I'll surely bless you. Make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants. They set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed. In Beersheba. Having persevered through the greatest test of his life. And you would think now, testing is over. I've completed the greatest test to offer my one and only son. I didn't see it. I didn't see it for years. But the last part of the chapter... It's part of the story. But you don't see it right away. Verse 20. Sometime later, here again, sometime later, years passed, he fulfilled and completed the ultimate test. Sometime later, Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. She's born sons to your brother, Nahor. Uz, the firstborn, Buzz, his brother. Camuel, the father of Aram, Kased, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, Bethul. If you're pregnant, just some names to consider. Um, Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Milcah bore these eight sons to Abraham's brother Nahor. But it doesn't stop there. Then it goes on to say his concubine, whose name was Ruma, also had sons. Teba, Gaim, Tehash, and Makah. So how's that connected? Well, after passing the ultimate test of his life and having faith that God could raise the dead, he's willing to offer his one and only son, Isaac, and then through Isaac, I mean, the descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And then he gets word after some time that his brother, and he's reproducing like rabbit. I mean, just kids coming out everywhere, not only from the wife, but from the handmaid. And you got kids here and kids there. And there's like kids everywhere. And this is where you have to read carefully. You have to go, for example, to Genesis 25. And in Genesis chapter 25, Isaac does not get a bride. He needs a bride to continue the fulfillment of the promise, right? Isaac doesn't get married until he's 40 years old. And then when he gets married to Rebekah, 25 verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. How long was she barren? You go to verse 26, same chapter. She gives birth to her first children, twins, Jacob and Esau. In the last part of the verse, Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. If you don't see it, let me just tell you very clearly. The test that Abraham passed in offering his one and only son was not the final test of his life. You'd like to think you... Pass that test, and it's clear sailing from then to the end. 
No, 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 no. Isaac would not marry until he's 40 years old, and then his wife, like Sarah, for years would be barren. And they would have to continue to trust God. Even when everything on the surface seemed like God was not going to come through. The testing in his life continued to the very end. I wish that weren't the case. Make no provision for the flesh. Some people never get past this part. The figurative message of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years was that they never would grow. They kept craving what was back in Egypt. They kept making decisions just based on personal appeal and physical satisfaction, and they never, ever matured. And you find some people in the church like that. They're always dealing with the alcohol and the drugs and the lust and all the stuff of the past life. Get over it. Put your life on the altar and say no to the flesh and begin to live in victory. Ah, ah, but when you finally begin to get victory over the flesh, that's when God says, now, now you can really start to mature. And victory over the flesh is just the first step on the path to real maturity as a Christian. The path to maturity, (laughs) wonderful testing. You know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature. You pass the test, it proves you're the real deal. Proves our faith to be genuine. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, even though perishes, though refined by fire that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in the ultimate end in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Proves our faith to be genuine. But i got to give you this last one because it's so, so, so. Testing allows us the privilege of identifying with God's nature. And unless we enter into identifying with His nature, we never really become like Him. This was a good study for me. Man, it was a good study for me. What's God like? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Let that sink in. He's a God of surrender. He's a God of sacrifice. He's like Jesus. And yet, let's be technical. The Father, the Father is the one willing to offer the Son. And the Son is the one willing to offer Himself. I'm a parent four times over. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier if God would let me be the sacrifice instead of my kids. But they have a calling. God has a plan for them. And the question for me as a dad, am I willing, am I willing to say, Oh Lord, whatever your will is for my children, 
Take my sons. Do with them what you will. Glorify yourself. It's a whole lot harder to let God take what you love the most. Some of us are in that stage in life. Our Christian life. You know, you have to go way back when you began to get victory over the flesh. I mean, some of you were like me. You drank. You were druggies. You were, you know, rock and roll fanatics, you know, in a bad sense, not in a Jesus sense. And, and you know, you, you got you to gotta say no to those things and begin to purify your life and, and live a pure life. And you get victory. But then, 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 <laughs> then the more difficult challenges in life begin as a Christian. I mean, to me, to me, compared to saying no to the drugs and all the party life, I mean, to me, it's much more difficult when God now says, would you offer that which you love the most? And would you trust me? Will you trust me? Here it is, Lord. Take it. So in Jesus, we see the personal sacrifice. Oh, Lord, I lay myself on the altar. Romans 12. This is our act of worship. To present your bodies as living sacrifices. And then the Father. Not just presenting ourselves as sacrifice. Being willing to lay on the altar that which, which we love the most in life. And again, some of you are living it. You've had to put your husband on the altar, and God took him. Now, some of you want to put your husband on the altar, and you want God to take him. And your test is that he hasn't took, taken your husband. He's still here. Some of us, it's a spouse, and now you're a widow, widower. And the greatest challenges in your life as a Christian is continuing to trust God and continuing to live for Him, even though you have that pain and that challenge. Some of us have lost children, miscarriages. I know people in our church that I've known and I know very well. They've lost young children, not to miscarriages, after the child is born. Some have lost toddlers. Some of us lost brothers and sisters and moms and dads. And and there's the mystery sometimes in life. And you go, God, I don't understand what you're doing. That's exactly what Abraham went through. That three-day journey to Mount Moriah, he's wondering, God, what in the world are you doing? Why are you asking me to do this? And why do you want to take this from me? This is the fulfillment of your promise. And Abraham had to go beyond this life. And he had to reason that God could raise the dead. And listen, listen as we close. Listen, you will never, ever daily lay your life on the altar unless you have resurrection perspective and look beyond this life. And you will never, ever offer that which you love most to the Lord. Unless you can look through resurrection eyes and look past this life. I wrote for me this morning in these notes, unless I survive the testings of faith, I will never become like God. And it will greatly limit my testimony and my ministry. 
so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. We'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and that their hearts would be open to the truth of the gospel. Please also pray for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from God's truth. That does incur some costs, though. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on The Living Word.